Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, company that partners with associations on strategy, vision, and governance. It's my absolute pleasure to have with me today, Jose Segarra, M-N-A-C-A-E. Jose obtained a bachelor's degree in psychology and communications from Loyola University in Chicago a master's degree in nonprofit management from North Park University, and earned his Certified Association Executive CAE designation from the American Society of Association Executives. Jose is currently an account executive for Bostrom, an association management firm, and is an association forum board member. Jose, we're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, Lowell. Absolutely. So we like to start with a little bit of uh, superhero insight. Uh, I have little ones at home we talk about superpowers often and to be a rock star you have to be good at so many things to bring it forward and so just what is one of your super skills what is one of your superpowers um so i wish first of all i wish when i was growing up it was superman was my hero so i wish i had one of those but um i i had to ask a few people like what do you think my superpower is um this is not something that you think about very often. And um, what I was uh, told was that I'm a really good listener. So um, how that manifests itself is, you know, talking to a board, talking to in teams, being able to listen, making sure that you can synthesize and then present back some type of like um, um, common interest so that we can move things forward, we can uh, build consensus um, that that's kind of I guess my superpower, the, the listening piece. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I feel like we should get you a cape with some headphones on it, or something, <laughs> right? Like something like that. I, from a perspective of having a superpower of listening, do you think that's something you were just born with? Is it something that grew in you as you were growing up? Like, how do you see that you turned it from a skill into a superpower? So when I was told that this was my superpower. Um, I actually started thinking about that. And oh. growing up, I consider myself to be an introvert. So as an introvert, um, I can definitely listen and make sure that, um, you know, I can reflect back. Um, I do most of the listening and then um, chime in when things are um, needed to be, you know, shifting gears or um, pushing forward some type of uh, um, emotion at a board table or action yeah. and, and in a team. So I think that is, I guess, part of my um, introversion, the listening piece. And as a kid, I was the same way. I like in my family, I was the one that was listening. People would come to me um, and talk about their problems. And, you know, as a teenager and, um, sought after like my advice if you will yeah well the the fact that the uh introversion sounds like it may be one of your superpowers too and that being able to not just listen but to reflect yeah. uh, so I, i'm i'm curious you know this past year and change when we've been living in a more uh, a virtual age or at least moment in time that may stick and may not how has that fed into your superpower allowing you to excel the uh, quarantine and, and, and being an introvert? Yeah, I mean, the, has this been better in terms of like your superpower of listening? Do you feel like virtual helps with that or not? So I think there are a couple of things. Number one, um, I 
let me tell you a little bit of history. Yes. When I was um, working for the American Hospital Association, um, I was given the opportunity to go through the Myers-Briggs process. Mm. And growing up, I had no idea that I was an introvert. I had never heard of that, that word before. So when the results came back and they said, yeah, um, you, you're an ISTJ, and they started explaining that I was an introvert, I was like, that makes so much sense. Thank you for telling me because now I know a little bit more about myself. Yeah. Um, and ever since I, <clears throat> I think I've been able to tap into that, tap into some of the um, traits of being an introvert. But at the same time, I a lot of people tell me you you're not an introvert. You can definitely go into a room and mingle and do all that stuff, and which is great. Um, but I can do it up to a certain point, and then I have to retreat and be like I need to be by myself for a while yeah so um I also need the interaction I also need the fact that you know have some type of interaction with colleagues with friends and all that good stuff the pandemic went to a total extreme and um you know many people felt isolated introvert yeah. or not um extroverts suffered more because <laughs> uh, they needed that um, interaction, I was able to just, you know, um, maybe with very few friends, I had like a little bit of a bubble. So we would either do FaceTime um, or yeah. would go and they would come to my place or I would go to theirs and we would have some type of interaction and then like three weeks would pass with nothing. Right. So it was, it was tough, but maybe not as tough as other people. Um, yeah. Uh, the extroverts. Well, the, uh, I think extroverts had to learn to be compensating introverts during yes. the time, but hopefully it helped uh, those of us extroverts listen a little bit better, as we spoke about earlier. Now, in your own journey, uh, where did you first enter into the association world? How did how did that step start? That was the proverbial by accident um, in associations. Um, I was um, I went to a temping agency. Uh, First of all, I moved to Chicago um, about 24 years ago, um, started working in hotels, yeah. didn't like it. So I went to a temping agency and I was like, okay, I need something that's a little bit more nine to five. And they placed me at the American Hospital Association. Um, and I was basically their phone operator for um, the first couple of years that I was there. And um, eventually they gave me more opportunities. Um, I was very blessed to have um, you know, some leadership that saw something in me and then um, kept going um, up the ladder. And eventually, you know, when I left, I was uh, uh, um, the associate executive director of one of the subsidiaries. So I was there 10 years and that really, I learned so much the American Hospital Association. That was like my entry point. Yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like there's some great opportunities for growth within there. Mm -hmm. Any, uh, as you look back on those 10 years, what do you think, uh, what was it that allowed you to sort of climb in position, climb in uh, your own knowledge and success? So some of it was my own desire to learn. Um, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. Um, and then a AHA also gave me the, they had tuition reimbursement. So they gave me the opportunity to finish my bachelor's degree um, and start my master's uh, before I left. So. I think people saw something in me that was like, oh, this, this kid 
you know, maybe um, good to to tap into for all these other projects. And um, I was doing a good job. A lot of the time, a lot of my ratings, you know, the evaluations were really good. So they kept expanding my my responsibilities, and I kept asking for it. A couple of times, I asked for for promotions because I had the scope of work that I was doing didn't match my job description anymore. So yeah. um, I think it was the desire to to do more and to grow and and to learn more um, that that helped me uh, get farther in in the association. Two or three things in there I want to ask about. I'll ask about this one first. Uh, the idea that part of part of this was, of course, self-generated desire for like growth. We'll come back to lifelong learning, but you also said that you had there were others there that saw something in you, right? Uh, I wonder if you have any reflections. That sort of diamond in the rough of opportunity and seeing it in others. Do you think, in general, in associations, we do that well? We recognize that potential and grow it. Is there anything association and leadership should be doing better? to help grow others? I, so I, there are two thoughts in my, that I'm having right now. First of all, I was very lucky that my entry point was at the American Hospital Association because it's a large organization and there's opportunity to grow. At the time there were about, uh, I think 400 uh, people that work for the association. The majority of the associations are not that big. They're yeah. not as, um, um, they may not have the opportunities to extend to other folks and say, we want you to grow. We want you to get these opportunities. You can give them opportunities to grow within their position, but not necessarily move up the ladder. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that first. Um, I yeah. just came out of a, ASAE's small staff association <laughs> uh, committee. So <laughs> that's very much in my head. Um, and then the other thing is that um, coming from, from the recognition um, of the fact that someone may have you know, good insights or um, good skills that you may wanna tap into, I think we can do a lot with that. And we have to change our mindset um, in terms of we need to keep this person as, as long as possible, right? Mm. There may be an opportunity that is outside of the, uh, the work that you're doing or your association that this person may wanna grow into. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're doing a good job or that, you know, yeah, you're gonna have to go find another person and that's as good, but you're also developing the talent. And that is so important in particular with people of color, um, yeah people that are not, their voices are not as represented um, in, in, in leadership. I think that's very important. And um, one of the people that tapped into um, or tapped on my shoulder um, when I was at the AHA was Barb Lorsbach. She was the senior vice president for membership. And she gave me a lot of opportunities. She just pulled me into different internal task forces or groups that, you know, expanded my knowledge significantly yeah. and that works. And eventually I grew out of that department because of all the, the exposure that she gave me, all the opportunities that she gave me. Yeah, you know, the, the way you describe her, I think that often we think about what kind of mentorship models are there, but you're really talking about like an advocate or a champion of creating opportunity, right? It's not that she was teaching you everything, she right. was creating the opportunities for you to learn. 
And, you know, she was. Um, and, you know, I think at, at the beginning, it was more like, okay, who can I tap into that may, what may work out? And she may yeah. not have known a lot about my work because she was a senior vice president. There were like three layers <laughs> uh, between me and her. So right. um, she may not have known a lot about my work ethic and, and, and my skills, but she was like, okay, you know, I've rotated through a few people. Let me give this kid um, uh, an opportunity to work on this task force. And it was working directly with her. So yeah. Once you start that engagement and you see that, you know, this person may have some skills that you want to develop, then yeah. you put that person into different um, groups so that they develop themselves and they learn more about the organization. They learn more about um, their skills. You know, whether it's uh, your role at the forum as a board member or other areas, how has that model influenced how you lead? So. Um, it's, it's, I still remember everything that Barb taught me and the opportunities. I just want to say that. So I, yeah. I reflect on that quite a bit, um, in terms of my own leadership style and in terms of, um, opportunities at, at the, um, uh, at the forum. Um, just to give you an example, one of the opportunities, recent things that happened um, last, uh, I believe it was October, um, Norma Castrejon um, asked me to be part of this um, Hispanic Heritage um, session for Association Forum, and she yeah. brought four of us together, so there were five all together. And um, some of the things that happened there was us acknowledging that we aren't that represented um, in terms of um, Hispanics in associations. Absolutely. Association Forum did a survey and they said 1% is Hispanic. Yeah. So how can we increase that? How can we elevate those voices? And that has been the five of us just can, like after that presentation, we were like, we need to do something about this. So we just kept going and um, we created Association Latinos. It's a LinkedIn group. Yeah. Um, it's just something that we want to facilitate, tap into people that are not in Association Forum or ASAE and making sure that we elevate those voices um, by creating spotlight. Um, we do similar interviews like this. We um, also um, encourage them to participate more into association forums so that there's a community there. Like they may be isolated. We may be um, um, not tapping into the resources that other folks have available. So we need to make sure that those same resources are available to um, to people of color, to Hispanics, to everybody. So I know Text to Table is doing similar things. There are other groups and that's really exciting. The fact that um, all these different voices are being elevated, it's yeah. just really exciting. Well, definitely the creating of communities and space, right? Yes. Where it, it can be amplified, right? Not just setting the table, but hopefully that with a collective, uh, there's more awareness and more opportunity for the whole. Go ahead. And continuing that so that people feel like they belong there not yeah. that they're just like oh mm -hmm. this person elevated my voice and now i'm here yeah. um, it's more like you belong there and there's a community behind you um i think that's that's also very important and what we're trying to create so i you make me want to ask the question because i was with the group uh this weekend that we were talking about them wanting to create a more inclusive and they were like a more welcoming 
sense of belonging community. Uh, and it got to the topic of that doesn't happen by magic. That right. has, right, it comes with intention and design. I'm just wondering from your own perspective, from your own leadership perspective, uh, where do leaders or organizations, where should they focus in terms of creating a more welcoming right, community, a more welcoming place? Like what, what types of structure, actions, or design make something more welcome that's that's hard with to answer without a, a specific concrete example but I, I'll, I'll try um, I, I I don't think that I can give you a, uh, a specific advice I think sure. what I what I would say is that organizations need to first of all assess where they are we and speaking from my experience at Association Forum as a volunteer, we knew that there were 1% of Hispanics yeah. because we did a survey, right. right? So do a survey, see, see what the population is. We also knew that not all Hispanics were represented in that survey because there are places where I have worked, I'm sorry, <coughs> there are places where I have worked where there were more Hispanics there were they not tapping into the resources that Association Forum have? Mm. I knew I wasn't at the time an advocate for um, them joining Association Forum. I was a member, but I wasn't um, explicitly saying, "Hey, this, there's this right place where you can when you can join." So um, maybe that's something that you need to assess as well. Is like, is it just underrepresentation? Are there people in the field that you are just not tapping into? They're not. Mm coming to your association and if so what can you do to bring them in to make make sure that they do feel included and yeah. that they have access to your um, resources and the last thing that i think um was important with what we did was thinking a little bit out of the box we yeah. could have just say okay we're going to create this community and we're going to stay within association forum and talk to the seven people that are Hispanics yeah. in association forum, but we didn't. We created an external group, um, a LinkedIn group, so that we can push information to other colleagues, to people that we know were not in association forum, yeah. so that we can then bring them in. So, you know, how do you create that pipeline from people that are not in the association so that you can bring them in? Absolutely. The, uh, the these conversations always go quickly. You're you uh, for saying that without a specific example, you don't know that was a very well, well constructed <laughs> approach is what I'll say. Uh, it, it actually what makes you want to go back to something you said earlier. Now you framed that you're a lifelong learner. Uh, and I'm just I'm curious from where you sit today. Where do you, where are you on your learning journey? Like what are you what are you looking to learn about now? What do you see as like what's next for what you want to learn about? There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Another half hour to discuss this one. Um, you know, um, Bostrom has this um, leadership retreat coming up this week, actually, and we take turns in teaching each other. Um, it's it's a retreat that we have every year so that we can expand our knowledge and continue that tradition of lifelong learning. I, I there are two things that we're that I'm going to be speaking about, and I will step into this, and I don't know, like I don't consider myself an expert on either, but I have had some experience to it, and I think that by itself is what 
interest me. I was like, oh, I know a little bit about this. Let me dig in and just continue to learn more about it so that I can um, um, tell my colleagues uh, all about the tool. So we're going to do Foresight Works and um, we're going to be doing Foresight Works. That's one session. And then we're going to do Foresight Works for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion because I'm the chair of the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee within Bostrom. Yeah. work with racial and ethnic disparities and I'm, I'm, um, I, that's something that I just have a passion for. So I, um, I have those two sessions and those are the two things that I'm trying to learn more about um, at the moment. Um, yeah. But there's always opportunities to learn more. There's, there's things that come up from you know, your, your members that you're like, oh, I'm not sure what that is about. Or um, they ask you something about, you know, I know you went to a session about Foresight Works. What right. was that like? And can you teach us about it? And I was like, well, let me see. <laughs> well, the uh, I have a feeling that part of your lifelong learning strength is tied into your listening uh, so that you are always have your radar up for what you want to learn more about and where you can learn it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I know we're reaching the, the end of the conversation. You know, I like to try to wrap by asking this as you reflect on the future what is the legacy that you hope that your journey in the association world leaves behind? What's the, what are the memories or the marks or the progress you hope that you're able to make? So I think um, just making an impact, I, 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 don't, I don't have control of how people are going to be remembering me. Sure. Um, so I rather just focus my energy on making sure that here in my place where I am right now, I can make an impact and wherever I am in the future that I can make an impact. Um, if, you know, if by making an impact, you know, there's like a positive thing that happens and people want to remember that me that way, I think that's great. Um, but in general, I try, um, not that I try because I actually hadn't thought about it, but I, I, I've never thought about my energy, my legacy. I've always focused my energy on what can I do here and now so that I can leave um, a better world. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds by the conversations that you're leading and how you're saying the stage for others. Uh, you're planting the seeds, not just for today, but certainly for the future for a number of others. Hopefully, yeah. It's been a a pleasure to have this chance to chat a little bit. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much. And uh, as always, thanks to Amy Hager, who's been chatting with you either live during our session or afterwards. And thanks to everyone who uh, tunes in and joins with us as we continue to learn about, learn from, and hopefully in our own way grow as we become rock stars and help lead the association field. Until next time, association rock on. (laughs) 